From the Bob Barley Studio in Orlando, Florida, you're listening to The Diz Unplugged. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion Email Edition for August 7th, 2008. From Orlando, Florida, I'm your host, Pete Werner. Joined, as always, by my good friends, Julie Martin, Corey Martin, Kevin Close, and John Magi. Also joining us at the table this week is Walter Eccles. And in the peanut gallery is Will Perry and uh, Walter's nephew, Max, Max Eccles, who is now a new resident of Florida, has his annual pass to Disney World, 17 years old. Now he just gets a car. (laughs) Good luck with that. He's all set. So... All right, we're gonna. Um, we've got a lot of stuff to get to today. So as I always say, we're just gonna get the preliminaries out of the way and then get started. If you would like to send us an email, podcast at wdwinfo.com is where you'd want to send that. If it's a voicemail you'd like to leave, you can call toll free from the United States, Canada, and Mexico, eight seven seven three one zero nine six six two. If we read your email or play your voicemail on the show, you will receive. Your very own Diz Unplugged t-shirt or a uh, podcast lanyard and pin set, your choice. And at the end of the month, we select one name at random from all the emails and voicemails we put on the show, and that person gets a chance to pick a number from the prize matron. Uh, there are 50 numbers on the prize matron. Each one corresponds to a different prize. And there's everything from $25 gift certificates all the way up to a trip to Disneyland or a podcast cruise that you can win. Those odds are pretty good. One in 50, not too bad. They can also email a voicemail um, in MP3 format. Yes, if you want to record your own, if you, if you don't want to call in, if you want to record your own. And I'll tell you something, self-recorded MP3s that are sent to us go to the top of the list as far as as long as it's a decent voicemail. That'll go to the top of the list because the, the sound quality of them is so, is so much better than we get. It's a nice option for people who are out of the country who yes. can't use the toll-free number. Absolutely. Or the Absolutely. people that are nervous about calling. Or nervous about calling, yeah. exactly, because you can edit your own voicemail before you send it to yeah. me. So with that out of the way, we're going to actually go ahead and get started with our first voicemail this week. comes to us from Shane Snyder, who had uh, called in a couple of weeks ago about uh, 2009 rates, and since they were released, I thought we would address his question. So here's Shane. Hey team, my question is about uh, 2009 rates. Um, still waiting for them. Plan on going in, in uh, probably February. Um, it's getting kind of late in the year. Usually they've released their 2009 rates by now. And I'm just wondering if they're planning on doing anything to boost attendance, like uh, keeping the 2008 rates for the, uh, for the duration of 2009. I know it sounds crazy, but uh, state fairs are doing it. I know Disney's not exactly a state fair. But it is boosting attendance, or um, theoretically it is at least. Uh, the idea is if you don't raise your parking, if you don't raise your admission, and if you, you know, in, in State Fair's case, if vendors don't raise their prices, people perceive that as a deal. Just wondering if you'd heard anything like that, any rumors of uh, Disney doing anything else, because I know that uh, extended free dining for this fall just didn't pan out. Um, thanks a lot. Bye. Well, Shane, as I said, uh, you know, the 2009 rates uh, were released. And uh, I wanted to play your uh, your voicemail because I you know I think it is is a good representation of where the minds of an awful lot of people 
out there are right now in terms of is Disney going going to do anything to step up and make it a little easier for vacationers to afford this trip in light of the other challenges they have. And we talked about it kind of extensively on our last show. And, of course, we now know the answer is no. Uh, one big difference between Disney and state fairs is state fairs don't have that level of arrogance, per se. And, uh, and, by, and I guess to be fair, they also don't have the overhead and expenses and transportation costs and everything else Disney has. But I thought it was funny that you mentioned uh, you know, keeping the rates the same, not raising parking, and uh, keeping ticket prices the same. And they did just the opposite of all three of those everything things. Everything went up. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, parking's up to $12 now for a regular uh, regular car. Of course, if you're staying at a Disney resort where you have a Disney annual pass, you don't have to pay for parking. But for everybody else, $12 is $12. Um, and it remains to be seen. They are not going – I don't think they're going to do anything in terms of scaling back their rates or scaling back or, or not doing rate hikes in the future – what you'll see is you'll see more package deals. They're going to take a look and see what where they're weak uh, throughout the next several months and decide, okay, we need to do a special here. We need to do a special there. I'm hoping they come up with something creative. Um, as you said, free dining was not exactly the boon this September that uh, I think we all hoped it was going to be, or at least that Disney hoped it was going to be. So... Exactly where they're going to go, we're not sure. Uh, Disney is not known for slashing its prices, but every now and again, when they're desperate, they do dump, the, dump their rates and put out a good deal. And I think that is what we're going to see a lot of. And it's why I suggest, and I think this in the next year to 18 months, depending on how the economy goes, this will be a tip you're all going to want to take to heart. Go ahead and book, if you're thinking you might want to go, even if you can't afford it right now, go ahead and book the room. Have the reservation. Room only. You don't have to do a package. Have the room. If something comes out, you can convert that reservation to a package. If not, you've got, what is it, a five-day cancellation window on a room only? I just want to be careful here. One of the things is you can't actually convert a room only reservation to a package. You actually have to cancel that room only and rebook it. If, if the availability is there and Disney's not selling their rooms. This it's is why not. they don't let me near the clients at Dreams Unlimited. <laughs> don't touch the bookings. <laughs> if someone, if the, if the availability is there, it's not an issue. If it gets tight, like around the holidays and things like that, you run the risk of losing that room reservation because you can't book it as a package. So, and I realize it's kind of stupid because it's like, well, I already have the room. How can I not get it? Disney has two completely different systems for their room only and their package reservations. Well, so. even if you book the package, even if you book a package now and just put your deposit down on right. it, you have a forty-five day window to cancel the package. Right. So, if you think you might want to go, I think there are going to be a lot of good deals next year. I think Disney's not going to have a choice. And if the economy keeps moving in the direction it's moving, if gas prices remain around the level they're at now, I know they're not going to stay as high as four dollars a gallon. But even if gas is down to three fifty a gallon, it's still going to be too expensive for a lot of people to travel here. So there is going to have to be some kind of deal offered at some point, and you might just want to make sure you've got your reservation in just in case it happens when you want to go. That would be my suggestion. But I think in terms of waiting for them to 
suspend hotel rates or suspend park pass rates, although I don't think they can go any higher than $75 for the one-day ticket. Um, I don't think we're going to see that anytime soon. But And if we do see it, then it'll be a sign that Disney has hit the skids and things are a lot worse than we thought. They're pretty consistent with raising their rates. I mean, I, I yeah. couldn't imagine them not doing it. Well, let's see if year. let's see if they're going to. They they have a habit of doing it twice a year sometimes, and they did that last year. I want to see if they're going to try and pull that again this year. If we're going to see another rate increase in January or February on the tickets, has there ever been, ever been a year where we didn't see a rate increase? That's no, what I'm thinking. Not to the best. Not as long as yeah. I've been following it. No. Yeah. So, all right, we have another uh, listener from Athens, Greece, who is planning the trip of a lifetime. And want some unique suggestions from us. Hello, Pete, John, Kevin, Julie, and Corey. This is Debsters41 calling from Athens, Greece. And I have a question regarding all of you. Uh, obviously, I'll be coming with my family from quite far away. And so our trip next year to Orlando is probably going to be one in a lifetime. And so my question is, if you were allowed to keep one possession and one possession only from either the Disney Cruise or the Disney Parks, what would you keep? And along the same vein, if you were allowed to eat only one last time at a Disney restaurant, which would you choose? I'm really interested in hearing your responses. I love the show. Look forward to it every week. And... Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much for, for calling in, uh, especially calling in from Greece. That that must be a... Uh, that was pricey. Yeah, that was pricey, but you're coming from one beautiful place, leaving one beautiful place to come to another. Although we're not quite as beautiful know. as Greece. I'd rather go to Greece than yeah, Disney yeah. World. I would like to offer her a house swap. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> swap out her house in Greece. Um, all right, we'll just kind of go around and uh, pick everybody's brains. One keepsake... If I had to pick one thing uh, on a trip that I'd want to bring back with me, it would be one of the original uh, rep- uh, poster reprints of like an attraction in the Magic Kingdom. We have a couple of them hanging up here in the room uh, in the studio, Big Thunder Mountain, Splash Mountain. Um, if I had one souvenir that I was going to get to bring back with me that was always going to be able to look at and kind of connect me with uh, my favorite parts of, of Disney, it would be one of, those, one of those posters, one of those marquee posters. As far as if I had one restaurant to eat in for the last time, that's a tough one because uh, there's, there's, there's quite a few places on property that I would I would like to eat in, but I would probably have to go with the Hollywood Brown Derby if there was the if I had to have one last meal at Disney World, I, it would have to be the Brown Derby because I think it's one of the most I think it's the most unique in theme park dining experience you'll have anywhere. And I think it's the highest quality, best service of virtually any location on Disney property in theme park or out, in my opinion. Uh, some may disagree, but I haven't heard too many people that don't like the Brown Derby. So that's what I would do. John? I agree about the Brown Derby. I was gonna, I was a toss-up between that and Narcoosie's. Um, I can't really think of any physical thing. That I would want so badly to bring to bring back. I would think it would just be a picture or a memory or something like that. I mean, that's because you're cheap. It really <laughs> is. Anything that doesn't cost me money. Um, I just I can't think of any one thing I would. John would steal someone else's souvenirs while they weren't looking. 
I, okay. I'm stumped. I'm sorry. That's all right. That's all right. Kevin. I, Basketball. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say the Brown Derby also. I, I think the Brown Derby is kind of a special thing. And... I would be hard-pressed to find a current souvenir that I couldn't live without. John and I have a poster hanging in our house. It's one of the original monorail posters. It's got a little um, representation of the contemporary in the monorail. And it says you can board at the theme parks or at the resorts. And that's something that I truly love. So it would be my... It's kind of like one of these reprints of the... But I don't think they do it anymore. So I would say that... Cool. Currently, I would say photographs. Take as many photographs as you can, because that's what's going to remain. Cool. Corey? I think for souvenirs, I'm going to go with something classic, just your classic Mickey ears with your name written on the back. Um, get it done on Main Street. I think that'll always say that you got this, you know, that you got this at Walt Disney World. Um, it's cheap. It's easy to pack around with you, so... I, for restaurants, you know, Gico. I really haven't tried a lot of the uh, – I haven't been in Narcoosies yet or anything like that. So I'll stick with Gico. And I think what Bob would bring with him would be a Dole Whip. So yeah, right. that would be his souvenir. Exactly. An empty Dole Whip <laughs> yeah. container. I thought the exact same thing. Second, about the Mickey ears. So, that, gosh, we're really connected, aren't we? <laughs> um, I was going to suggest maybe for I mean it could be for anyone but especially for a child it's always going to bring back that magic and those memories but um, if you wanted something that you could use that was practical and every day every time you looked at it you would think about your trip and remind you of Disney World I'd say splurge on one of the nice watches that they have I need the watch shop in the Magic Kingdom downtown Disney and they have some really nice ones they have Skog and they have Citizen they have oh gosh like, Swiss Army yes Swiss Army all kinds so um Something for every taste, gold, silver, whatever. I think that would be a great souvenir. And you can have it engraved when you got home with the date and everything. Um, a restaurant, I'm in the same boat as Corey. <laughs> we haven't eaten at a whole lot, but I'd say if you're at Downtown Disney, eat at the House of Blues. Yeah, I'd agree with that, especially after the yeah. dinner we had there the other night. If you're going to be at Downtown Disney, my choice would be Portobello Yacht Club. I don't agree with that. I well, you're wrong. The only thing that <laughs> the only thing that I enjoyed there was the salad. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I enjoyed it, but I didn't find it as fantastic as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I'm hoping with the redo, it's not of the choices. The menu, yeah, I was, I was, yeah, the choices were a little limiting. Actually, the last time we were there, the menu was a little limited. Yeah. On previous occasions, there's been things on the menu that we've raved about, and there wasn't the last time we were there. Yeah. I don't know if that's now their menu changes quite frequently. There's some basic core things that stay the same, but. We haven't been back since the time we were there with you, but you're right. There were some. Li- there was. It was limited that time. If I had to choose a character meal, I think I would choose Crystal Palace. We really enjoyed that last week. I would agree with that. Well, I would uh, on a character meal. I choose Chef Mickey's. I just tell you the the food was so good. That the character inter- yeah. interaction was so good. They always serve breakfast, good. right? Nope, dinner nope, too. Breakfast. Oh, they do. And during free dining, they serve lunch. So, well, I hope that answers your question. Um, and. Uh, Best of luck on your trip. We hope it's a, a successful one. Please give us a call when you get back. Let us know how it went and any tips or advice you have to share with our other listeners. We love Greece. Yes, we do. All right. Our next voicemail comes to us from Jill in Fort Collins, Colorado, who has a very interesting question about leftover food at Walt Disney World. So here is Jill. 
Hey, Diz Unplugged team. This is Jill Fox calling from Fort Collins, Colorado. I had a question that maybe John and Kevin can answer, but it could go out to anybody. And it's um, about um, something that a waiter told me at one of the restaurants a couple years ago. We were having a lovely meal at the home of a sad little crab cake, otherwise known as the Coral Reef. And I hadn't finished all my meal. It was quite good, actually, but um, I was quite full at the time. And the waiter had come to take the plates and asked me if everything was fine. And I said, yeah, I feel bad wasting all the food. And he's like, oh, don't you ever feel bad about wasting food here. There's going to be some fat, happy pig eating this at the end of the day. And I'm like, what are you talking about? They give it to us. Sorry. And what he had said was that Disney recycles, I guess for lack of a better term, um, food that's, that could be thrown out to um, a, a pig farmer outside of Orlando. And I'm assuming it was true because he told me that, but it kind of seemed a bit far out there because that would be a lot of shipping back and forth, I would imagine, to a pig farmer in Orlando of food waste. But I was just wondering if you guys could find that information out. And I also would think it would be interesting to find out what Disney does to help limit waste. If they do indeed, you know, donate leftover meals to a pig farmer in Orlando, I wonder if they're doing anything else as far as consumer waste, as far as recycling or reusing. Um, so maybe you guys can answer it. And if you can, that's awesome. I'd love to hear it. Um, as always, I love the show. You guys do a great thing. Um, and I look forward to the show weekly. Take care. Bye-bye. Uh, well, Jill, actually, uh, we had to make some phone calls. Kevin had to make some phone calls to find out because there was a time not all that long ago where they were not allowed to donate the food to anyone. And uh, But what uh, Kevin called, what they tell you? That uh, leftover food or unused food is donated to local charities. Now, I don't imagine that would be... What's left on a plate. Right. And I, I don't... She didn't. The person I spoke to didn't know of any pig farmer. That would be really hard to do here in Orlando but, because of the heat. Now, Walter, you said something though that about the law. <clears throat> this way, a lot of companies didn't donate uneaten food because they would be held responsible. So they would actually lock their dumpsters so people wouldn't get in because if they ate it and it made them sick, they could sue them. Now it's uh, some sort of good Samaritan law. If you donate food, you cannot be sued for if someone gets sick because they know it's donated food and it may be. Um, Older than it, older, older than, than what it should be. Yes, older than fresh. Yeah. And I know that I know that ha- that happens in places in around Orlando. We've been in Panera, which is, I believe, a nationwide chain, and we've been there at closing. And a charity comes and picks up what's left over from that day, and it's all donated. I believe they changed that this year. I'm yeah. glad they changed that because I worked food and beverage for like one or two weeks at Blizzard when I was waiting for my lifeguard certification. And the one thing that just always upset me was that they would throw all this food away. You know, I mean, they would throw bags and bags of, of good food away. But she, I'm glad they changed that. Though. She asks about recycling, and Disney's very good about recycling. They've won awards, environmentality awards, as a matter of fact. They have their own recycling plants on property, and it's my understanding that every bit of garbage taken out of the parks and the hotels is sorted, and that what can be recycled is recycled. So The recycling facility is amazing. I've seen it firsthand. Um, when you go to Disney, for the most part, there are some uh, receptacles that will say plastics and glass and things like that. But for the most part, you can throw anything into any trash, and that will get sorted after the fact. Amazing. So pull out the yeah. bottles, pull okay, out I'm the plastic, pull out the glass. So you don't have to worry about, oh, I, I'm not, I don't, can't find a place to put this. 
They haven't recycled. It's funny you mention that because we forgot to bring this up in the review of the Polynesian. That was the only complaint I had. There was no receptacle for recyclables around the pool. You know, they're selling hundreds of beers a day. And they're all being thrown away, the glass bottles and aluminum bottles. Well, they're I mean, actually not. Right. They're being okay. sorted out on the back end of Disney. There's a big thing. And, again, Kevin's right. They win all sorts of awards. Not only do they recycle and things like that, but they also have um, uh, a wastewater treatment facility in the back. A that, water reclamation. Right. Plant. So they're reclaiming the water so that they can reuse it. Wow. So, yeah, don't worry about Disney. They do very well when it yeah. comes to that. The reclaimed so. water is not going to the guests. The reclaimed yeah. water is going for irrigation. Right. And like pressure like washing and things like that. Well, Walter was, because uh, Walter was extremely upset the entire time we were at the Polynesian <laughs> walking around going, there are no recycling bins here. <laughs> now, when we go to food and wine, I have all these plastic containers holding armfuls till we get to recyclable. Yeah, now, Disney also awards um, things to their cast members who is doing the best at things like that. They call it an, env- an environmentality award. So cast members are rewarded for doing their part. Cool. Good deal. Well, thank you for that information, both Walter and Kevin. We appreciate it. Who has a voice or an email they'd like to read? I do. Mrs. Martin. It's from Jennifer White. She does not tell us where she's from. I guess she doesn't want us to know. Please be my Disney, Stacy, and Clinton. I would love to hear your opinions about what and what not to wear to the parks. For those of you who don't know who Stacy and Clinton are, There's nobody what at this not table. to wear... You ever seen the show on TLC? I've heard of it. Oh yeah. Okay. Now I know what you're talking oh, about. I just I just remember two people in very bad outfits judging other people's clothes, <laughs> <laughs> thinking, "Where are you yeah, getting it's off?" A little silly. <laughs> Where are you getting but off? I do have a few, especially pieces, the guy. Like, a few pieces uh, of advice. Now this is from a woman's perspective, so you guys can give more for a man from a man's perspective. But um, I would say wear shirts, dresses that are light, breathable fabrics like cotton. Um, I'd be careful wearing white, especially if you know you're going to be going on a water ride like Cali River Rapids or Splash Mountain. You don't want to be your one woman, you know, wet t-shirt contest. Or during love bug season. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they'll stick on you. To, uh, they're um, attracted to things that are white. Right. And then also, you know, if it's wet season here, um, be careful with the rain. You may want to make sure you have a poncho if you're wearing white. I would avoid it altogether. I mean, not that you should wear black, but definitely avoid it if you know you're going to get wet. Um, comfortable shoes. Please, ladies, leave your heels in your hotel room and save it for your nice dinner. I hate seeing women walking around the parks in heels. First of all, you're ruining your nice heels. <laughs> yeah. And you're hurting your feet. I mean, by the end of the day, you're going to be in a lot of pain. Even if you wear tennis shoes, your feet are probably going to hurt. But it's going to be more so if you're wearing heels or really flat sandals with no arch support. So be sure. You know, this is not a fashion show at Disney World. Look around. <laughs> It's about being comfortable and being cool. Um, also, I would say wear sunscreen at least 15, if not 30, especially on your face. If you're very fair, wear a hat maybe to protect yourself. And then if it's 80-plus degrees outside, people, please leave your jeans at home. I get hot just looking at you. No, I'm telling you. Loose, light-colored, comfortable, natural fabric clothing. Exactly. Sunglasses. Don't forget your sunglasses. Actually, get a hat for yeah. your head. Mm-hmm. And... Whatever you don't have cloth on, put sunscreen on. Because by the end of the day, you see people who are... Especially your children, people. It really pains me to see little kids who are sunburned and red. It makes me mad, actually. You know what amazes me when you go through the park? The mom and dad will have on sweatshirts, and the baby has on a t-shirt. That always Mm -hmm. uh, amazes me. Or the baby is all dolled up in a a sweatshirt and sweatpants, and mom and dad are wearing a t-shirt and shorts. Your baby should be dressed like you are. It's hot for everybody. Yeah. yeah. And when you know, you talk about babies getting sunburned, 
Um, sometimes, even with the best intention, uh, that ends up happening. I'll give you an example. While we were at the poly, uh, Walter's niece, Stella, who's six, uh, it's Teresa's daughter. I mean, Teresa slathered this kid up with... Uh, 45, I believe. With 45 SPF. She still ended up getting a sunburn. Um, we think it was older, just an older... Uh, you have to check your expiration date. Yeah, make sure you check it. If you're going to bring... You know, don't even... Don't don't bring sunblock with you from home. Just Or if you do, buy it new and put it in your suitcase. Don't bring the stuff you already have. The other thing, as Walter said, is wear a hat. A lot of things people don't keep in... Don't take into account. The Florida sun is unforgiving. Mm-hmm. The part in your hair... Have you ever had the top of your head burn? burn yeah. Yes. yeah. I've had it happen a few times. <laughs> and it's, it's painful. The thinner, the thinner the spot gets in the back, the, the worse it, the worse sunburn it's funny, it gets. You know, I've seen you know, men who are more bald on top rubbing sunscreen on their head, and it makes me happy to know that they're taking care of themselves and not going to be like all peely and gross by the end of their trip. <laughs> I have one other thing to say before we move ahead. Unless you have some sort of medical necessity, bringing a rolling suitcase... Or a 70-pound backpack, you're bringing too much stuff into the park yep. with you. Yeah. Unless there's some sort of medical necessity. Now, I don't need to know why you need to bring it. Unless you have some real necessity to bring all that, you are not going out into the desert. Water is available everywhere. Band-Aids are available. Mm-hmm. You can survive with a small, lightweight backpack. You see these poor people schlepping this stuff through the park, and yeah. you think... You just feel bad for them. I totally agree. You see these women carrying these giant oversized purses that are in style. You, you know, you're at Disney World. It's not a fashion show. You don't need that giant purse. Everybody's you hot know? and uncomfortable. Exactly. That's, that's what's going to be great about having a stroller because you just pile everything on the stroller and push it around. That becomes your home base. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know we were going to be serious about this. I was going to say no white socks and sandals. <laughs> and men, no Speedos ever. Oh, completely well, it on depends that. on how you built. It's actually black socks and sandals. Oh, black socks well, and sandals. Any say, socks and sandals. Yeah. Um, you know, there are appropriate places to wear swimsuits, and the pool is one of them. The beach is one of them. A water park is one walking of them. Walking down Main Street. I do not think walking down Main Street in your bikini top is appropriate. Um, that's just my opinion. You can send your cards and letters to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. But, I, you know, keep those in the hotel when you're in the theme park. Cool. Well, thank you very much, Julie. And who else has another email they'd like to read? I have one. Alexandria from Medford, New Jersey. Hi, podcast team. I know this may sound a bit of a stupid question, but I'm a bit confused listening to the podcast. Is there only one, or are there two Walters on the crew? I thought there was another Walter before Pete's Walter joined. Would you mind, when you're introducing them or talking to them, them say Walter and the first letter of their last you name. Know, did she? Did, you know? Did, did she have let the secret out of the bag that there's another Walter in my life? <laughs> he didn't. He didn't know. That's Walter Brennan. <laughs> uh, let me see. Uh, first letter of their last name, so we can know which one you're talking about. I have to tell D H that when he tells me a story about John, that he tells me which John because. We know like five different Johns. I get confused about which one we're talking about. Thanks. There's not that many other Walters, really. So for Pete to have two would be (laughs) improbable. No, we've never had. As a matter of fact, we don't have any uh, repeating names on the show. So one Walter, one Julie, one Corey, one Kevin, one John, one Peter, one Will. I have to say thank God because I grew up in school with another Julie, and I was Julie G my whole life. I hated it. (laughs) Try being John. (laughs) I was about to say John. Tons so of Johns. Whenever, whenever I talk about Walter, I'm talking about Walter Eccles, my partner, my partner of seven years. 
um, who was very gracious to sit in on the show and uh, help us out. Yes, yeah, so I am Walter. There is no other. So. <laughs> <laughs> I am Walter. There is no other. So you're him, Roar. That, that needs this. Big Bad Bob Appreciation Society. <laughs> That's right there with that. I think we should have to call him Walter E. like Sheila E. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, dating yourself back to the uh, 80s again, aren't you? She's coming back. Of course no, she is. So not. is Tiffany. She's got a song. No, she's not. <laughs> yeah, her and Sheena Easton are going to do a duet. <laughs> it's in the nursing home, but they're still going to do it. <laughs> she's getting AARP. Right, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you for that, uh, Walter. Our next voicemail comes to us from Candy in Tennessee, who has a concern that I think uh, a lot of people... Uh, have about some of the restaurants, especially Victoria and Albert's at Disney World. So here is Candy. Hey, podcast crew. My name is Candy Nava, and I'm from Dandridge, Tennessee. I'm Experiment 627 on the boards. First, I wanted to say thanks for all the hard work you put into the podcast. It's truly a highlight um, of my week, and I, I look forward to it each week. Um, I have a concern and then a question. Uh, my husband and I are coming down for 12 days in October, and our first evening we have reservations at Victoria and Albert's. Now, I'm not that picky of an eater, um, but my husband has a much more sophisticated and adventurous palate than I do, and I guess my concern is that I'm going to end up sounding like I just fell off the turnip truck in comparison to him, and um, I don't really want to insult the chef by ordering something different or, or whatever, and... Um, I guess I just need reassurance that I'm not going to sound like I belong on TV talking about the tornado because for some reason <laughs> the previous menus have me a bit frightened. Um, my actual question is... Well, Tommy, you got to pause and let some laughter for that. It's very funny. That's, That's a very a gr- funny line. And it's a great way to put it, too. Well, what makes me mad is every time someone from Florida is on the news, he's shirtless and toothless. <laughs> <laughs> this is not fair. <laughs> Since we're going to be dressed up for Victoria and Alberts, we plan on trying to book one of the um, one-on-one photo sessions at the Grand Floridian. And I was wondering if you guys had gotten any feedback on this since it's relatively new, um, such as the quality and what kinds of shots and poses are available. And I was also wondering if this might be something Corey and Julie could check out for us since they don't mind being photographed. I'd love to see any of you do it, but... uh, (laughs) I understand I'm not a fan of the camera myself. but Well, unless they're going to start using wide-angle lenses. No, I'm not doing it. <laughs> We've been together nine years and have never had our picture really professionally taken at all. So I think it might be fun. It's a nice for idea. It. And uh, I'd be interested to see what you guys think and, and if it's worth our time. So um, thank you guys a lot and keep up the great work. Well, thank you very much, Candy. I really did uh, appreciate that voicemail, and I, like I said, I think it's an important. Vo- I thought it was an important voicemail to play because I think this is a concern a lot of people have that they may not always uh, express about some of the, especially about some of the restaurants on Disney property. They're very high end, they're very elegant, and if it's not something you're used to doing, if it's not, if it's a special occasion, it could be a little intimidating, especially something like Victoria and Albert's, where a it's I believe the most expensive restaurant. Even the name on Disney fancy. property. On property, <laughs> it's the only restaurant on Disney property that has a, a dress code. An ampersand. <laughs> okay, and 
you know, actually, it is. Actually, it's the only re- restaurant on a property that has a dress requirement. They're, the signature restaurants have a dress code. They're just not as enforced as in Victorian Alberts. Victorian Alberts is enforced. I stand corrected. The, uh, the idea here is this. You are in Disney World, whether you are eating at a counter service restaurant in the Magic Kingdom or dining at Victoria and Albert's, you are in Disney World, and you should feel comfortable wherever you are. Now, I'm not saying you should walk into a a nice restaurant wearing flip-flop shorts and a midriff. Um, I think that's in poor taste, but I don't think that's what we're talking about here. I think you sound more concerned that the, the menu is going to be more... Uh, more advanced than you're used to. And what I would suggest to you is, A, uh, first of all, do not ever be afraid to go into a restaurant in Disney World and say, uh, can I have this dish without this, without this, or can you add this? Especially at the signature restaurants when you're paying that kind of money. If the chef's insulted, he can go see a therapist and get over it. I recently had a chef say to me that his job... He felt his job was to ensure that you had the best time and the best meal possible. And I think 99.9% of the chefs on Disney property fall in that category. There may be one. I've never come across one, to be honest with you. And I've made changes. I can make some serious changes to a dish. I talk about it all the time in our restaurant review. We always... And they, they are very, very accommodating. And I don't think you should worry the least bit about feeling uh, inappropriate or out of place in this restaurant, you are there, You should be there like everybody else. And I don't think you have anything to worry about, about sounding like you fell off a turnip truck or, or talking about where the tornado hit. <laughs> <laughs> and what it sounded like. If you have serious food allergies or food requirements, you might want to let a restaurant know in advance right? so that they could have things there for you. But if you're just looking for using the ingredients that they have there in a certain way, especially Victoria and Albert's, which does a tailor-made menu if you sit in the kitchen, they're very, very accommodating. It's your meal. It's your money. You should enjoy it. Don't be afraid to get involved. Don't be afraid to say this or that or this. Uh, one perfect example is um, we went out to eat recently and we were surprised by how spicy a dish was. So the next thing we ordered, we said, was there anything spicy in this dish? And the person who was describing it said, well, you might find the sauce spicy. Put the sauce on the side. Don't take anything that you think is not going to be good because what you know doesn't make any sense. Especially when you're paying that much you're money. You're paying that much money. They want you to enjoy it. That's it, their goal. Mm-hmm. Yep. Their goal is for you to have a good time. I also say, if in nine years you guys have never had any sort of professional portrait taken of yourselves, you should do it. I think it would be great fun. You're going to be dressed up. Really, the only ones we've had were from like the celebrity cruise line. Other than our wedding. Oh, that, well, yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I, there's one more point I want to make about, about Victoria and Albert's. Because I'm sitting here taking a look at the menu. If you don't understand or are not familiar, look, I eat in a lot of places, and I couldn't tell you for the life of me what an Australian Kobe beef tenderloin is. Um, ask, ask the server. That's what they're there for. They're supposed to know these dishes inside and out, say exactly, uh, exactly what is this or how is it prepared, and they will explain it to you. And if you're really uncomfortable ordering, then have your husband order for you. A lot of times restaurants use very fancy menus or very fancy 
descriptions. And when somebody actually explains to it to you, you're going to find out that frisé is really lettuce. Okay, because I mean, we've got some pretty sophisticated palates around the table here. Kevin, what is a poulet rouge? It's a red poulet. <laughs> is poulet um, is French for chicken? I, it, yeah. Served with wild mushroom ragu and truffled egg. I, I still don't know what it is. You know, poulet rouge. I, I, Ask I think, your waiter. I think it's free you. range chicken. So I mean, there's you're going to see things like that on a, on a on a menu, and I think a lot of people don't know what it is and never feel. I would never feel embarrassed. We actually ate in a restaurant one time. You're very excited about it. <laughs> what restaurant was it where we didn't understand any of the words on the menu? You kept saying to the lady, what's the noun? That was out in, <laughs> that was out in California. We ate at... Um, oh, Napa Rose. We ate at Napa Rose. And she gave us the menus. What's the noun? And I read the whole thing and I said, can you show me the noun in this sentence? <laughs> I'm not at all sure what this is. Everything was an adjective. I... <laughs> You would pick up something like that, though. Oh man! So yeah, don't be afraid. I'm sorry. I did want. I just wanted to interject that. I know you guys were just talking about the the portraits. But the other thing, Pete. You know, I'm, I'm one of the more picky people I know when it comes to eating, and I never had a problem at a Disney restaurant. And if, like you said, if I don't know what it is, ask the waiter. They'll, they'll simply tell you what it really is. Yeah. So exactly. there's never been a problem, and I am one of the, the pickiest people I know. Yeah, he very very picky in what he'll eat. He's and terrible. I, I had no problem at Victoria and Albert's. So. Well, that we also did chef's table, and that was a custom-made menu. So was I think a I could have still done okay with the... With oh, the yeah, menu. you would have done fine. Yeah. You would have done fine. So don't worry about it. Now, as far as the portraits go, I don't know about the ones at the Grand Floridian, per se, but I can tell you the portraits that we've had done with the Bibbidi-Bobbidi Boutique when we took my niece, and I'm assuming it's probably the same general idea, because these are professional portraits that are being done, and they do a phenomenal job. And I'm sure they have in mind different poses that they want you to do. But if you have something that you know how you want to pose, tell them. And they'll tell you whether or not it's good or what you should adjust. The most popular one is where you touch your toes and peek back between your legs. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's the peekaboo. Um, That's the I like a man who wants me for my brains pose. <laughs> Make sure you bring your high when heels. When did you say their trip was? In October. Something you something you mentioned was uh, I know she's not talking about a cruise line trip, but one of the great things about cruise line is they will take a million mm-hmm. pictures, so you can see them and say I like this or I don't like mm-hmm. this, I don't like this. But yeah, I say definitely try the portrait thing. Sure, if, yeah. if you especially if you've never had it done, you've been married nine years. Should we try it and t- try it out and tell her about it? Well, there's uh, there's two options. You can do the sitting. Like sitting fee only is fifty dollars, and then there's a sitting fee plus all of your photo pass photos from your vacation for one hundred twenty-five dollars. So you guys should definitely go do it because you know what you'll have. You'll also have a pre-baby picture. Well, I'm um, hopefully I'd be showing because it'd be towards the end of August, like really showing, and I want a picture. So. And I think your child would appreciate that. It sounds like this lady has a very nice first night planned. Yeah, yeah. that's a great way to start your vacation dinner at VNA. Very nice. Well, I I hope Candy that uh, we gave you some some good information there. And I certainly hope you have a great, uh, a great dinner at Victoria and Albert. You'll enjoy the restaurant. It's a very, very good restaurant. And we also have one I think Walter might be able to help us answer. Rob from West Des Moines, Iowa. He has, uh, he's coming to Disney World with a friend who is not a Disney fan and wants some advice. So here's Rob. Hi, Pete and gang. This is Rob from West Des Moines. Uh, guy in WDM on the board, and I was uh, traveling for work, and I was reading People magazine because what better thing to do on a plane? And I 
ran across this article on uh, Mario Lopez, and one of the questions they asked him was, what was the most unusual place where he had made love? And his answer was, Pirates of the Caribbean at Disneyland because it's such a long ride. He's a liar. Um, and <laughs> the thought occurred to me, what perfect segment for sending Bob or one of you to the park uh, could have ever been designed? Uh, where is Bob when you actually need him? Because this would have been the ultimate for him. Uh, but I'm guessing that probably can't talk any of you into doing that. It's probably actually not a real good idea to do that because you'll wind up on video YouTube somewhere later on in life. Um, but my question is, uh, I have a friend of mine who I've been talking into uh, going with me, uh, spending a week in October down at the parks, uh, but he's really not a ride person. Uh, he is, uh, and a, you know what, he's not much of a, a character person either. So I'm just trying to figure out uh, how to convince him that he will have a good time. Uh, we'll be using, staying at uh, DVC Resort, so there's some options there as well. But just wondering what... Uh, you guys would recommend for somebody who's not a big Disney guy, not a person who's really into thrill rides, uh, uh, and doesn't like those types of things. Thanks. Love the show. Keep up the great job. And uh, looking forward to hearing the answer on the show. Bye. Well, Rob, first, thank you for the visual of Mario Lopez in uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, and yes, you're right. They're are all sorts of videos and things out there about uh, you also have to keep in mind that especially the dark rides there are night vision cameras all through those rides these people see you so if you think you're going to get away with you know doing something in the back of pirates they may let you get away with it if there's nobody else in the boat with you but you're going to be putting on a show <laughs> Okay. And if he doesn't like rides, offer to Mario Lopez. Mario Lopez him. <laughs> <laughs> but now, as far as your as far as your friend, um, you know, like I said, I thought this would be a good question with Walter sitting at the table because, you know, Walter. Well, I'm not going to say he hates Disney. Uh, Walter does not consider himself, and he's not really a Disney fan in the same vein that uh, the rest of us are. But in, through his relationship with me, has been exposed to and in some cases dragged into uh, any variety of theme park experiences. So what would you say to somebody, Walter, who's in that same vein? He says he doesn't like a lot of um, thrill rides, but Disney has a lot of rides which you really don't have to consider thrill rides. Pirates of the Caribbean, Splash Mountain. There's a lot of rides you can ride which aren't um, well, Splash Mountain, I think, still for some people Could be a little bit much, but there's enough rides you can ride that aren't roller coasters. Um, because I don't like uh, big roller coasters either, and I've never had a problem going to Disney and riding things that I enjoy. Well, some of your favorite things to do at Disney are what? What would you say? I know, but which park? I mean... Anything. Here, here in Orlando. No, no, no. I, I know, but there's like you know, all well, the like, different parks. Like it's Animal that. Kingdom. Does he not like rides? Does he want to go look at animals, you know, drive the, the little Serengeti thing? Um, you can spend a lot of time there just walking around looking at stuff. You don't have to really ride that much if you don't like to. Does he like art or architecture? I mean, have him pick out the architectural details. Yeah, what does he like? There's something for I mean, at the studios, everybody. there are more shows than rides, so that could be... I've never met anyone who said, well, I'm not really into Disney. Wait. Ever come back from a Disney trip and not be wowed because there's always something for everybody on every level to do. Well, you know, it's funny that you know, Kevin just mentioned, you know, what, what is he into? Um, and, you know, because Walter, Walter, his first suggestion goes to Animal Kingdom, Walter is very that's you know his hobbies are plants and animals. 
So Animal Kingdom is a place that he was able to walk around, even though he wasn't going to do this, that, or the other thing necessarily. Because you will do some rides. I will, but, but it's, it's, when we went to um, Magic Kingdom, I really thought it was going to be boring because I thought it was more you know, pixie dust or whatever. I had a great time. I've never been to one of the parks where I haven't enjoyed myself. There's always, like John said, there's enough to do. And he's that, always surprised when it happens. He's always surprised when he, enjoy, when he enjoys it. Have you rode Living with Land at Epcot? No, I don't think so. I think oh, you should. Like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he would enjoy That's that. That's right up your alley. So, yeah, find out you know, whatever, your friends, whatever your friend's interests are and just do a little ancillary digging uh, for yeah. what goes on on property. Or better yet, email or call us back uh, with some things that he likes to do. And, and we so, can give you something a little more specific. Spend some time at the pool. They, the, all the resorts have fabulous pools. Corey and Will have done. Uh, Will's done. Richard Petty. They've done the skydiving thing. They've done the sky coaster. There's a lot of things. If he's into you know that kind of extreme stuff, so there's a lot of different. If he likes spas, send him to a spa. Exactly. There's all sorts of stuff. So leave him home. <laughs> Find somebody fun. Right? He sounds like a creep. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I don't like Disney. I don't like it. Me, 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 me. <laughs> any, other, any other warm, loving words, John? <laughs> you know what we tell people with children? Put them in a locker. <laughs> yeah, I've been told to keep my kid away from you guys. You know what's amazing is our listeners, especially those that have been listening for the last two years, our listeners have a... A, a chronology of your crotchetiness. <laughs> Watching you age and go get crotchetier and crotchetier as each year. calendar. I'm fine with that. <laughs> I have no problem with that. I don't care. All right. Who has another uh, email they'd like to read? I have one. My, don't play that heart music. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is from Joey. <laughs> it's very Serenity Garden. <laughs> That's why I picked it for him. He's so crotchety. He had to have, like, happy, light, loving music. Hi, podcast crew. I just started listening to the show, and it's great. I'm interested in your opinion on the future of the Disney Corporation. Do you think they should focus on creating new theme parks, building new resorts, or should they focus on expanding their new side companies, such as Cruise Line and Adventures by Disney? Basically, where do you see Disney 10 years from now? Your newest fan, Jody. Um, Jody, I picked your email because, interestingly enough, I remember being, when I was a cast member, um, I ran into someone who worked for someone in Imagineering. And this person told me something that I thought was fascinating. While it's not a um, set plan that Disney has for their future, they do plan out years in advance what the next ride is going to be, what the next step is going to be. They do sort of blue sky ideas. And one of the things that always stuck in my head was one of their blue sky ideas for 50 years down the line was a theme park on the moon. Someone was actually thinking that far ahead wow. to say that one day we'll have a theme park on the moon. Well, or- I've heard, uh, you know, like, you know, I know Disney, Hilton, uh, Starwood, a few. Hotel chains are talking about orbiting uh, ho- orbiting hotels. That's the thing now, especially with that Richard Branson with his new plane. They're talking about bringing people up to a space station for vacation. Very Wally. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Do you know? I was watching something last night. Not to sidetrack you, but just I was watching something last night that I thought was fascinating about one of the ways they're thinking about getting people up to these orbiting space stations or hotels. Say? An elevator. The space elevator. The space it elevator. would be. A, a, they're, they're developing. They're developing the material now. It would be a ribbon that would go from like a platform in the ocean. There are certain places they'd be able to put it, where it would be uh, 
pretty safe from weather. And this this ribbon literally extends 160 miles up into the outer layer of the atmosphere. And it would take about anywhere from a half hour to two hours, depending on the technology, to get you from Earth to a space. You're in this little capsule. That would yeah, be no awesome. way. I'm not riding a ribbon that. elevator. Like the outer things at the bank. They just suck you up in that tube Exactly Exactly. Do you think everybody stays quiet and faces forward Like they do in a regular elevator (laughs) I think they'd be be terrified They'd have no choice (laughs) I think it's like one of them glass elevators Like in Vegas You can see outside Keep your hands and feet inside the cart Don't touch the ribbon Getting back to Jody's question I I would personally like to see the Disney company Look at um, Taking a period of time where they clean up their act a little bit Where they sort of tighten things up a little bit and make things that they currently have better and more appealing and again we talk about cast members and things like that I'd like to see them spend their money on that infrastructure first before they go into new ventures understand that that service and customer care is disappearing in a lot of things and this is what this company was built on strengthen that yeah and stop outsourcing every damn thing exactly I'd like to see the great movie rad redone. That's just my opinion. Yeah. The little munchkins in uh, The Wizard of Oz, mm-hmm. their mouths barely move. They're like, it's more like, like <laughs> it's like the eyes in the tiki bird. <laughs> click, 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 click. <laughs> it's really bad. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Take the time to, to shore those things up and make those things more interesting and, and more appealing and even some on a more broad scale. But, I mean, Disney's going to do what Disney always does. They're going to do that next thing to bring you in. The next thing to get your money. So I would like to see Disney stop buying rides. Mm. I would like to see them, but go back to creating. Creating them, stop buying stuff off the shelf. I agree. Yep. Like Toy Story Mania. Yeah, Expedition Everest. Uh huh. Exactly. Do what you do best. Soren. These are things that are really, really kind of a step ahead. I asked that question a couple of weeks ago, and I think it's going to be a present question as the years go on. Uh, What does Disney do good anymore? What is it? What do they do themselves good anymore? They're outsourcing everything. They're starting to outsource. They're buying rides off the shelf. They're outsourcing their hotels to uh, uh, Ritz-Carlton and and, uh, Waldorf Astoria and God knows who else. And that just seems to be the direction that they're moving in. What do they do well anymore? But when they do it, they do it great. Look at Soren. That's what I mean, though. Get back to what you do well. Right. I would like also for Disney to stop the homogenization. This is my little rant. I like the fact that I, I love the fact that at one time you could only buy things in certain areas with Magic Kingdom. If you wanted a space theme toy, you went to Tomorrowland. I don't like the fact that you can buy the same stuff in any store in the Magic Kingdom, and I certainly don't like the, the fact that the stuff that you buy in Walt Disney World says Walt Disney World Disneyland yeah, on it. Yeah, this should be or Disney Parks. Right. This should be a unique experience. Thank you, Jay Rasulo. I, I I hate that. And I'm not really usually that strong on anything. I hate the homogenization. I know. Sometimes I wonder if their if their executives just have too much time on their hands and they they're just trying to think of things to do when they come up with bonehead ideas, like as you put it, the homogenization of the parks. Well, what you have is you have the idea of of these managers and these uh, upper level people trying to save their jobs by producing more, cutting how, costs. How can I get more money out of increasing the bottom line, either by cutting costs or Mass producing the same thing in every park. Well, it sells good here. Why won't it sell good everywhere else? Right. Exactly. Well, hope that uh, <laughs> went off on a tangent. Answers <laughs> that question. And our final voicemail this week comes to us from Jeremy in Houston, 
who is taking 14 high school kids on a group trip to Walt Disney World and desperately needs our help. So here, well, not desperately, but he could use a he could use some ideas. So here's Jeremy. Hi, podcast crew. This is Jeremy calling from Houston. I'm day counter on the boards. I'm a high school teacher and will be bringing a group of 14 of my student council leaders to participate in the Disney Youth Education Series in August. Now, this is the first time I partic- participated in the Disney Yes program, and I am really excited to bring this group of amazing student leaders to the world, and many of which this is going to be their first trip. Now, here's my question. I'm already surprising them with a breakfast at Chef Mickey's, and beyond that, my budget is blown. So do you know of any complimentary activities that we could do that would help make this trip even more magical? Um, for example, are there, is it, or is there a way to get into a parade or any other show? And if so, who should I contact? Or if you have any other ideas, I would love to hear them. Um, I appreciate everything that you do for the show, and I look forward to hearing from you. You have an amazing show, and have a terrific day. Well, Jeremy, that's, uh, that's no short order. Um, 14 kids, something free or inexpensive, magical mm-hmm. and special. Uh, if you were uh, over at Universal for Mardi Gras, I would tell you you could get on the floats uh, for that if you wanted to do something special. But as far as participating in any of the parades or shows, I am not aware of any of them that bring on uh, bring in guests uh, for the performance. They have that family fun parade in the Magic Kingdom where yep. anybody can follow along, but it's probably not going to appeal to teenagers. There are some shows that uh, will take volunteers, like in the Indiana, Indiana Jones show, but you can't get all 14 of them into that. So, And there's no guarantee that you'll be chosen. Right. You know, what about, um, I know this is like, you know, maybe not imagine, very imaginative, but what about a scavenger hunt, mm-hmm. like around Epcot or around the Magic Kingdom? And I believe if you contact educational services at Disney, that they have, like, you know, pre-done events like this that you can just you know they, they give you a piece of paper and it tells you where to go what about a search for hidden mickeys there's a hidden mickey book you can buy and i, I believe it's under fifteen dollars i could be wrong there it could be under twenty dollars but if you gave them all a list and tell them they had to take a a, a digital camera shot of that hidden Mickey and see who came up with the most, you could get a, a small prize. Yeah. That kind of, you know, in the Magic Kingdom, any one of the parks, you could do a scavenger hunt for hidden Mickeys. See who can come up with the most character signatures, autographs. Also, um, we had a suggestion last week, the guy who got the name written in every language from all the countries in Epcot. That's a cool souvenir for a teen, I would think, to have. I think that's a great idea. I, I'm assuming he's going to have park passes, so everything that's going on in the parks is all inclusive. So it's not right. Like I, think, it, I think he's looking for something like a, a unique wow experience. Factor, it won't yeah. cost them any money. You know, I don't know. Fourteen not, teenagers. I think they're going to have a blast. <laughs> I don't think you're going to have to invent things to do with them. I think they're going to have a great time. And if he wants to borrow some of my Xanax, he's going to do a couple of pills. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, especially with. Uh, Especially with with a group like that of young kids, but you know it's this is a question we get asked a lot. You know what's really spectacular that we can do for free, and and I hate to put it like this, but it's Disney World, not much. 
Not much. I mean, there is stuff. I mean, you can find stuff to do. I mean, entertainment can be found wherever you are if you're creative enough or imaginative enough to take advantage of it. I'm not always. For Halloween, they can dress up like a Brazilian tour group. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) let me tell you something. Those Brazilian tour groups I saw in the park so far this year, they have been the best behaved group of kids I have ever seen in my life. John's been passing out Xanax. They have been <laughs> honest. I gotta, no, look, they were, they were for wonderful. the amount for the for the years of of comments about and complaints about Brazilian tour groups. To see as many of those groups in the parks as I did, and those kids were like, yeah, it was like they were drugged. Part of the problem with that th- th- those groups of people is that um, we have cultural differences that not everybody understands. Um, they don't see anything wrong with putting one person in line so that when the, everyone else can join them. Where we think you're line cutting, that's not part of their culture. They believe that that's an okay thing to have happen. Right. So people think, the, see that and say, oh, they're misbehaving. Well, these things were always have always been a cultural, there's always been a cultural gap. Obviously, either on the uh, tour group side or on the Disney side, the Disney coordinator side, Communication has gotten a lot better yep. with these groups saying, okay, this is okay, and that's not. But that has nothing to do with Jeremy's right. <laughs> question. We just completely. Jeremy, if you're in Epcot, in the journey to imagination, there is, at least there was, I haven't been in there in a while. I'm sure someone will tell me if it's gone or I'm wrong or I didn't say it right. Uh, they used to have kiosks where you could take pictures. You get one or two, three people in the picture and take a picture and email it to yourself. It usually takes longer than a regular email because it does go through, I believe, a clearinghouse. But you could take your own picture and email it to yourself, to other people. That might be something fun to do. It's still there. Taylor and I, went. we rode the journey into imagination. Did you do it? We didn't take the photo, but I saw it. So how long did the email take? What? I just want to see that look on her face. <laughs> I'm like, are you even listening? <laughs> <laughs> One more uh, thing you can do if they want to participate in something. Uh, the Legend of the Lion King will bring people up. A lot of times it's younger kids. Yeah. But I think that if you pull a cast member aside and say, listen, I've got 14 kids and we're all from here. and we're That's on a great this, idea. Just say, and hopefully they'll come over and pick them out and let them dance and do their thing. I don't know how old these kids are. I mean, at 16 or 17, is that still going to be cool? I mean, you might think some of them will probably think. I'm and these good. are things he's going to have to gauge. It's a, it's a very, very tough. It's a, it's a tough. It's a tough. It's a tough uh, needle to thread. Yeah, it's a yeah. It's a, it's so, a large group. It's a tough age group. So so if anybody out there has any suggestions for Jeremy, I think you know one of the few times we can call for all hands on deck. Let's see what help we can find for him. Any ideas for Jeremy? And what he can do with a group of 14. Send them via email. Don't get them in voicemails because your voicemails are about, I'm about two and a half, three weeks behind on voicemails. Or better yet, post it on the discussion yeah, board. On the discussion board, yeah, on yeah, the podcast on the board. That's much better. Much better idea. Jeremy, I would suggest that no matter what park you go to, that you pick a point if you're going to let these kids go. Someplace other than the obvious. Don't pick in front of the castle. Everybody meets in front of the castle. But pick a point for them to meet in a time. Okay. Well, I hope that helps, Jeremy. I want to thank uh, everybody who wrote in and called in this week. And I just want to remind everyone that we are not going to have another email show uh, for another couple of weeks. We will have our regular shows. But uh, due to some scheduling conflicts and some uh, timing issues for us, it's just going to be better. We promise we will make up for it. 
uh, by doing some special stuff later on in the month. So we ask your patience, but this will be our last email show for a couple of weeks. And with that, we will say goodbye and hope you all enjoyed the show. We'll be back with you again next week with the next edition of the Diz Unplug Roundtable. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you.